this was Ant-Man with a U in it, we'd all be getting our cheeks pinched and asked oh. if we ate today. All right. <laughs> worst one ever, uh, but it's okay. Here we go. It's up there. It's up there with the worst. Anyway, welcome to another episode of Screen Fix, the show where we will fix a recent film. I am host JC. I worked in Hollywood in the early 2000s. With me co-hosting today is my the geek fluent girl. My say hi to everybody. Hi guys. Fluent in geek, always cheerful. That's my for you. And the hardest working man in podcasting is on the show made by the laziest people in podcasting. But here we are. He is the man, the legend, the god of pod. It is David Rosen from Piecing It Together. Say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. It's the god of pod here. You know, it's funny because whenever you come on here, I call you pod god or something, or I talk about you being a sex idol. No, uh, I'm, sure. not, I'm not going to do that this time. I, I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> I'm just going to say that you've got sex appeal, and I'm going to mm. leave it at that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. And the curly locks of a medieval prince. Mm. A just and courageous one. That's what they always say. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we are all assembled here to fix the 31st film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This one supposed to kick off phase whatever we're in. Phase five? Is that where we are? I believe so. Phase five. That's what they're calling this. It's supposed to be bigger, better, scarier, set everything off in motion, giving us mm -hmm. our scary new villain. The biggest film in a while with the most minuscule of heroes. Mm. We can only be talking about Loki 2. <laughs> Might as well have been. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania. Yes. Trailer. I used to ask myself a lot of questions. Scott, you're at X-Con. How are you an Avenger? That doesn't make sense. But everywhere I go, people tell me the same thing. Thank you, Spider-Man. People still need help, Dad. That's why we made this. It's like a satellite for deep space, but Quanta. Wait, wait a minute. You're sending a signal down to the quantum realm. Turn it off. Now. Wasp, directed by Peyton Reed, the, the same director of the first two. He also directed some episodes of The Mandalorian, the second season. Oh. 
shades of Star Wars, the Mandalorian in this one. This is the way. That's what everybody keeps saying. Even some mm -hmm. of the, the early review tweets were like, it's Star Wars. It's Marvel's Star Wars. <laughs> Did you feel like this was Marvel's Star Wars? David Rosen of piecing it together? Podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's there's some Star Wars here. Absolutely. I, I think that there is a lot of every sci-fi, every attempt at a major giant sci-fi world building epic movie is here. So yeah, there's Star Wars. Did you see Shades of Star Wars? My, the geek fluent girl? I can see that. There is always the oppressed and that's always a Star Wars formula so the i guess they were the the rebels mm -hmm. aka the terrorists and janet van dyne did say she was a terrorist so <clears throat> is peyton reed the most out of place director in the mcu he just he, to me he feels very vanilla you can say that chloe Zhao was out of place but at least she has an oscar and that's an example of marvel swinging for the fences but reed the director of the breakup with jennifer aniston uh is he the most milk toast like settling instead of the person that you really want to make out with and get naked with this is the one that you you end up marrying like you want to go have ice cream and stuff with them is is, is that what what peyton reed is dave rosen you, you call him peyton reed the director of the breakup i call him peyton reed the director of bring it on and down with love two incredible movies i don't know how much you know this about me but Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp occupy my number one and number two slots in the MCU. Nice. Ant-Man 1 is one of the most rewatchable, adorable little movies. Mm -hmm. The climax takes place on the, the child's train set in a child's room. It's, it's perfect. So much fun. And it also has Michael Pena's Luis, who is really missing from this movie. Oh, yeah. I was at a wine tasting with my cousin Ernesto. It was mainly reds, and you know I don't like reds, man. You know, but there was a rosé that saved the day. It was delightful. And he tells me about this girl, Emily, that we used to kick it with. It was actually the first pair of boobs that I ever touched. It's the wrong details. It's the wrong... It has nothing to do with the story. Because I feel like Michael Pena is part of that winning Ant-Man formula. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's, that's largely missing from here. But, yeah, I really like the first Ant-Man. Second Ant-Man, I was like, okay. But you're not a Winter Soldier guy? Mm. It's fine. They're all fine. All these movies are fine. But but the yeah, Ant-Man movies yeah. are are great fun to me. I, I, I just had such a blast with those first two movies. So you keep saying Ant-Man 1 and Ant-Man 2. I don't think you have a favorable opinion of Ant-Man 3. The, the enthusiasm, it's gone. Gone long ago, a week ago when I watched this movie. Well, maybe you're starting to identify a little bit more with Peyton Reed's The Breakup. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, here we hey, go. Hey, yes, man. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> that Jim yes. Carrey, yeah. Jim Carrey, yeah. right? That title alone probably got him this role as director. Mm -hmm. yes. That's what he is, a big yes man to all of Marvel's mandates. Ooh, killed it. I was seeing the formula. <laughs> Understand the formula, Peyton. All right, here we go. Reed did say that he wanted this film to be, quote, a massive world-building undertaking. I think he did some of that well. He says that he took inspiration from heavy metal magazine issues of the 70s and 80s. Some of his favorite sci-fi artists, including Jean Giraud, French name. He was going for fantastical realism. And it was supposed to be a departure from the first two Ant-Man films and be a bigger adventure which is where it falls flat because like you think david his adventures are best when they're kept small 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. But I think this mess is largely the fault of Jeff Loveness, the writer of this movie. And it's part of a larger problem that Marvel has done lately. Marvel has given its keys to Rick and Morty guys. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Jeff Loveness worked on Rick and Morty. Also, Michael Waldron, who wrote Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, another messy movie, in my mm-hmm. opinion, is also a Rick and Morty writer. So they've given the keys to these Rick and Morty guys, and I think it's brought us some interesting ideas, but I wonder if there shouldn't have been a couple of other seasoned writers, seasoned Marvel guys to like kind of rein them in a little bit. Sure. I mean, Rick and Morty's style, Royland mm-hmm. stated that him and Harmon's intentions for Rick and Morty was to make a series that lacked traditional continuity and opted for discontinuous storylines that are not bound by rules. Uh, Here's something that's never happened before. I'm a pickle. I'm Pickle Rick! So that was the mandate to the writers of Rick and Morty. Do those sound like the guys you want writing your Marvel films, which have to have connective, continuous storylines and probably plenty of rules? Hmm. I don't know if giving the keys to these Rick and Morty guys was the right idea because it feels like dueling identities. What do you think about that, my the Geek Fluent Girl? Well, now that you um, explained to me that it was Rick and Morty writers for this movie, that makes so much sense. I was really disappointed how themes in Ant-Man movies, kind of like they just threw that out the window and didn't think about like that world building and what was done. Do you remember like how in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, how the quantum realm was contained in the van? (laughs) But, you know, it's like, Uh nope, we don't have that technology. And so it's just like, I can tell like a lot of things is like, they didn't really want to lean on the previous material. Sorry, that's a long winded way to say that. You bring up something interesting. David Rosen himself, the man, was on our episode for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yes. Which, guess what, David? Coincidentally, that was our most downloaded episode of 2022. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. what your star power brings. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's that star power. Absolutely. I mean, when he comes on here, he does have a lengthy list of demands. (laughs) That's true. We have to Uber Eats him Chinese food, (laughs) sweet and sour pork, but the bread to be taken off. As you know, I don't don't eat the breading anymore. And in the game room, remember, we have to pick out all the green M&Ms. Can't have any of those. (laughs) He made me give him detailed breakdowns of my downloads. I want printouts mailed to me. (laughs) And he demanded the envelope not be licked. I mean, that goes without saying. He also demanded we send him chapstick, the non-flavored chapstick, because he does get chap lips with all of the podcasting that he does. I mean, really, it was a long list. How'd you know my lips are chapped right now? Because I stare at your beautiful face. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, yeah, I don't know where I was going with... Oh, but I mentioned on that podcast, on that episode, imagine if you had walked in to... Doctor Strange 2, and you had just watched Doctor Strange, you'd be like, what the hell happened? Like, what? Right. <laughs> like, I don't understand anything going on. The same thing with this. The only continuity piece is that Janet was brought back 
in Ant-Man 2. Right. But other than that, if you watched Ant-Man 2 and tried to jump straight to this one, you would probably be slightly confused about what the hell's yeah. going on. I think that's going to be a big problem going forward, like regardless of who's directing because or who's writing because of all of the multiverse stuff. Like yes. I, I I think like when nothing matters, when when mm-hmm. there's no continuity in anything, you know, how are you expected to keep track of it, especially if you're not somebody who's planning on spending the extra time to watch the shows? I mean, not only are there multiverses but now you've got a villain who there's thousands of them or something like this like thousands of the same villain right they've already killed two of them (laughs) ant-man of all people killed one ant-man killed one i know it's like (laughs) how many kangs am i gonna have to watch get killed throughout the course of of phase five Yeah. yeah i mean you're right it's like they're running into this problem where it seems like with multiverses not much seems to matter yeah Do you have any other comments about the Rick and Morty hirings? The only other thing is that, like, as much as I I complain about that, and I'm going to continue to complain about that throughout this, I do think it it makes sense to hire, like, wacky writers like that for this multiverse stuff. Because, I mean, that's kind of the point. Like, why do a multiverse? I think we actually talked about that on the Multiverse of Madness episode why didn't Sam Raimi go a little crazier yeah. with the various multiverses? Yep. And then here we are going too far. Like, why can't we get, you know, a middle ground? <laughs> but it does seem like they would be the right writers to to take on the idea of multiverses. Just didn't quite work out. It's true. Let's skip right on to our cast. Paul Rudd returns, of course, as Scott Lang slash Ant-Man. Are we still into Paul Rudd? And also... Do you think that kicking off Phase 5 with Ant-Man and also not killing him means that there... Do you feel like that there's a lack of charisma in Phase 5 and they're trying to keep Ant-Man along because Paul Rudd has charisma? What do you think, David Rosen, I, I think of ab- piecing it together? <laughs> I think absolutely... The podcast uh, where they... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I think absolutely they are trying to keep, you know, Paul Rudd and as many of the, you know, old Avengers on the as they can. Yeah, they they just they kind of have to at this point because nothing else is I mean they they're all making money, but they're not connecting, I don't think in the way that they're hoping they would. And yeah, Paul Rudd is great. He's the reason why I still at least had a little bit of fun with this movie because of everything he does. And that's not to say that some of the other actors aren't good, but he's the one that carries it. How do you feel about that? My, the geek fluent girl? Well, um, I personally always will root for Paul Rudd because I've been in love with him since he was stepbrother Josh and Clueless. Then suddenly, oh my God. I love Josh. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am sure that a lot of people are super happy to know that he's going to continue along with the MCU bride because I agree with uh, with David. It's just he brings like that relatable charisma. He's one of the regular guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. He got arrested for some kind of theft and then he put on a suit and that was it. He was Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that much more special about him. He was an electrical engineer or something, and they never rely on that, like, ever. ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Evangeline Lilly is back as Hope Van Dyne. I don't think she has a whole hell of a lot to do in this movie, despite the movie being called Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I have a question for you both. 
Was her role cut down because of her pandemic comments? Hey. Do you remember this? Uh-huh. I sure do. Do you remember this, Mai? No, I, I don't. Let me refresh your memory. She basically made light of all of the restrictions that were put into place. Basically, she was like, quote, just drop my kids off at gymnastics camp. They all wash their hands before going in. They are playing and laughing. Hashtag business as usual. There was backlash about that. And then she doubled down. She said some people value their lives over freedom. Some people value freedom over their lives. We all make choices with love and respect. Then she tripled down. <laughs> Where we are right now feels a lot too close to martial law for my comfort already, all in the name of a respiratory flu. It's unnerving. Let's be vigilant right now and kind, watchful and gracious, keeping a close eye on our leaders, making sure they don't abuse this moment to steal away more freedoms and grab more power. Almost 100%, uh, you can just read between the lines like an anti-vaxxer, I'm, I'm sure. And yeah. All yeah. kind of stuff. Who knows? She might have drank some of that horse stuff that <laughs> people were drinking. <laughs> I, I got to say, I, I, I was laughing during the movie because there was yes. a, a, a moment where they're talking about all the things that Ant-Man and the Wasp have done since the last movie. And yeah. she's like out there... Uh, helping like homelessness and reforestation yes. and all these yes. like science things, but no new medications. No, <laughs> no new. Of course not. Anything. No, no way. <laughs> that had no to have way. been like a clause in her contract or something. I don't know. Like, like no, my character <laughs> will not invent any new modern medicines. Absolutely Just not. The basic humanitarian efforts. That's all I'm gonna do. <laughs> Yeah. So do you think that that had any effect on this? Do you think that she was underused? What do you think, My the Keep Blue Girl? There wasn't a whole lot for her to do, except, of course, that pivotal moment at the end. Because in a way, too, I guess that's kind of one of my thoughts, too, is everybody had a suit, right? But some people were really allowed to use the suit. Some people were just kind of just... I don't know, scenery. <laughs> uh, the suit seemed to spontaneously come out of their chest cavity, which is a little weird. Mm -hmm. David Rosen, what yeah. did you think about Evangeline Lilly in Ant-Man the Lost? I, I thought she was fine. And I, I don't think it was necessarily cut down, even though I'm, I'm making fun of her for being an anti-vaxxer. Uh, you know, Shuri still got to be Black Panther. So, you know, obviously they're not too worried about these real actors public personas and you know she still gets like kind of the big hero moment at the end like ant-man would have lost if it wasn't for her and you know so it's like it's not like it was totally I, I just think the whole movie was too stretched thin with all the stuff it was trying to introduce to spend any amount of time on her or any of her you know moments i agree with you the movie was trying to stuff entirely too much in it mm -hmm. Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. We already saw him in Loki. Do you find Kang a suitable big bad for Phase 5? David Rosen of Piecing It Together. I love Jonathan Majors as an actor. I still don't know what to think about Kang as a character. You know, as stretched thin as I just said the movie is, I he gets to spend a lot of time standing around talking, but I, mm -hmm. I don't really understand where we're going with him still after all of this even though i don't watch all the shows i did watch the episode of loki with him just to kind of get that introduction ah. and just who are you i've been dubbed many names by many people a ruler a conqueror he who remains a jerk but it's it's not as simple as a name 
I don't know. The multiverse stuff just makes it really difficult to connect with like what the plan is for this character. So you just popped right into Loki and watched that last episode. What did you, yeah. what did you think about Loki kissing a variant of himself? <laughs> it was like, hey, I, I guess this is happening now. That's cool. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> My The Geek Fluent Girl, Jonathan Majors, and Kang in general. My first uh, experience with him was Lovecraft Country, which was awesome. And I feel like as Kang, he's really good being like quietly menacing, if that makes sense. So he's not like as over the top as like somebody like Thanos, you know, who has like his booming voice and presence. I wish we could have saw him be a bigger bad, if that makes sense. <laughs> I think it's easy to dismiss Kang unless you are familiar with Kang in the comics. Because you're like, this is the story of worlds. But if you were just watching this movie, I don't know if that would come across. Not at all. Not at all. Like I kept, I kept thinking to myself, like Doctor Strange could do every single thing he's doing and then some. Like, why is this guy so powerful? Yep. <laughs> You're right. Isn't this particular king just kind of like another Thanos, ideologically Thanos? Like he was kind of killing for the greater good. And that was the thing too. I was kind of confused. What is the main goal? Is like, is he just trying to just be the ruler of the entire timeline? <laughs> like, I think he's trying to make one timeline okay. and he thinks all the other kangs are causing all of these the offshoots whatever you remember loki or whatever at one point he gives that throwaway line that he's causing incursions which was of course the big deal in doctor strange mm -hmm. i do not understand the kangs and what they want and the good kangs versus the bad kangs because i think loki kang and ant-man kang were both low-key good kangs i don't know it's really confusing and if you stop to think about a lot of things in this movie for two seconds it gets even more confusing. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang. Yeah, so Catherine Newton takes over for the original actress, the actress from Endgame, played by Emma Furman. Imagine being Emma Furman and you land the role of a lifetime in Endgame thinking you might possibly be Cassie Lang. Cassie. <laughs> Nope, we're going to recast. We're going to cast Catherine Newton, who was in Detective Pikachu and who was in Freaky. I, I guess, like, Catherine Newton was having a good year that year, so Marvel just grabbed her and she had a little more buzz, a little more juice. I don't think Catherine Newton is a great actress by any stretch. Not only that, this is how much of Dick's Marvel is and Disney in general. Furman posted on Twitter that she only found out that she'd been replaced when the news was made public. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. That's terrible. So yeah, Catherine Newton, did we love her? David Rosen of Piecing It Together. Love is a strong word, but uh, <laughs> she's fine. I mean, I, I, you know, just like the Hope character, the, the Wasp character, there's not a lot to work with here, you know? And she does a fine job with the character. And the character just, I don't know if there's any reason to care that much about the character. I don't know what in this movie is going to continue in any way in these yeah. movies going forward. I guess you're supposed to care for her because she's an activist and thinks her dad who saved the whole world is a lazy dick. Yeah, everyone's a dick. That was the word. Yeah, apparently she likes going to be a dick. part. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I found it really grating that their entire family was ganging up on Scott, who had literally saved the world mm. because he wrote a book and he's just kind of chilling. Like, if you were responsible for bringing 50% of all people back to the planet, do you have to do more? I think you're good. Yeah. I think you're all right for a little while. Relax, Ant-Man. And Cassie, shut up. <laughs> what did you think about her performance, my The Geek Moon Girl? I didn't really mm. find anything that captivating about her. I know they really did try to build her up and have her be more the hero and helping the, the oppressed leader out of the jail mm. and stuff. But I don't know. I, maybe I'm just getting tired. <laughs> like, <it> just... <laughs> <laughs> We're all just getting old and we don't like identify with the snotty teen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we identify with all the middle-aged characters. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> it's funny how that happens. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, Janet Van Dyne. Was she dynamite for you, David Rosen? She's Michelle Pfeiffer. She's always dynamite, but, uh, you know. I, she's kind of the main character, right? Yep. Yeah. So, which is another thing that's weird. Why didn't they call it, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Janet? Ant-Man and the original Wasp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, they all have suits. They're all Wasps and they're all Ant-Mans. It's kind of, uh, it gets a little confusing. They should all have different names. Yeah, it's it's true. There's two Ant-Mans. There's two Wasps. What's Cassie? Yeah, is she a wasp too? Is that? I think she. I no. I think she becomes a a, a different name in the in the in the comics. She's Stinger. Oh, Ooh. okay. Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. How's he holding up? <laughs> David Rosen of Piecing It Together Pod. Also great. I, I, at least trying. You know, he's Michael Douglas. He, he could do whatever. He kind of seems like one of the characters who's just having a, a a decent time. And he gets to play with ants, which is what we came for, right? <laughs> exactly. We came. We we came here for the for the ants. Movie's called Ant Man. All right, Geek Fluent Girl, what did you think about Michael Douglas as Hank Pym? I mean, I agree. He's Michael Douglas. He's always going to give a great performance. It's interesting, like, how he more bonds with Cassie than she does with her own father. But again, that's because she's an angsty teen and she has to go against whatever her dad likes or wants to do. And it's kind of like Michael Douglas is like her grandpa. And she's like, hey, I have a secret project. Can you help me with this? And he's like, oh, sure. We're not going to talk about how possibly dangerous this is. <laughs> you know, there used to be the science bros with the OGs. That was Stark and Banner, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Is everyone great at science now? Just in the last two movies, we've had Riri Williams, Shuri, Cassie. Can everybody tinker around and make more advanced machines than are available today with all of science. When did everyone become a super scientist? STEM became cool, so, you know. <laughs> it's cool to be nerdy now. Exactly. I'm not going to bring up too many other people in the cast. I know David Desmalchian played the goo guy who loved holes. Yeah. Bill Murray. What did the Bill Murray cameo do for you, Geek Fluent Girl? Um, I really wanted more Bill Murray, but I know I have a tendency to always say that with the characters I really like for my fixes, and mm -hmm. I'll get into it later. D-Rose, how did you feel about Bill Murray in this movie? I thought he was just completely wasted. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know like what the point of even having him there was. It was just a, a little stop on a fetch quest. It was. Although, I will say that the scene in the movie that I enjoyed the most was when Hank blew up that creature that was in the drink. <laughs> And it just mm. started devastating the people in the bar. Literally the only scene in the movie where I went, ha ha! <laughs> like, I, I actually, it was the only scene in the movie that made me make, like, a, a sound. 
Nice. Yeah. All right. So that was the cast. Just really, really quick. Did you like Ant-Man and the Wasp? David Rosen. Not really. My the Geek Flunker, did you like Ant-Man and the Wasp? I really wanted to. I thought it was fine. I'll, I don't know if I'll watch this movie again. So we're kind of down on it. What did critics and audiences think about it? My give us the fresh hot stats. Well, it had a very, very strong opening weekend. And domestic, it made over $106 million. Let's actually put some uh, perspective on that. It was high for Ant-Man. Right. Because right. It, it opened lower than, I think, what was it, like any Marvel movie last year? It was lower than Black Panther, lower than Doctor Strange, and lower than Thor. So it, it was high for Ant-Man. But, of course, this had the biggest budget of any of the Ant-Man movies. So we'll see. And uh, I want to say the Tomatoes sort of were with us. 48% critics, 48 Yeah. And the audience score? 84% for the audience score. Right, so audiences are being much more easy on it. Mm. No, but you know, I saw it on a very large Dolby screen, and it gave me my face full of Marvel. You know, <laughs> I see especially why like a kid would like it too. Cause there's lots of yeah. crazy visuals going on. It moves like a like a cartoon from one thing to the next without having to stop and think about anything. Before we just start fixing a movie, I'm just gonna give a quick plot summary. Plot summaries I get from Movie Pooper movie pooper where they wipe away the excess this is the one pinch summary <gasps> ant-man and the wasp after helping the avengers save the universe scott lang has been enjoying his newfound celebrity status while hope van dyne has been advancing her scientific endeavors scott just regrets being stuck in the quantum realm for years and missing out on his daughter cassie's life that's what they teased in the trailer right he goes i can give you back the time that you lost like with your they they tease that he was gonna have to make some kind of decision about getting more time back with his daughter right <laughs> do you remember that in the trailer yeah it was like the big like crux of the trailer for sure it was and that was not in the movie yeah i think he still said it but they just don't like you don't know that he lost any time it's not presented in the same way as it is in the trailer the yeah. trailer's sneaky and you can sue now when trailers mislead you okay. we should do that yeah <laughs> we, we should we should get that class action going right here sponsored by screen fix and, and piecing pod here we sure. go cassie has since taken an interest in science working with hope's parents <laughs> she's just taken an interest in science and she's made a machine that's the hubble telescope for the quantum realm i'm sorry i'm gonna not harp on that she has since taken an interest in science working with hope's parents hank and janet but a device that Cassie created to send a signal to the quantum realm causes the five of them to get pulled down there. In the quantum realm, Scott and Cassie meet some of the natives of the area who are rebels fighting against a villain called Kang the Conqueror. During her time down there, Janet befriended Kang, believing he was another lost traveler who needed help getting home and would have helped Janet reunite with Hope and Hank. However, she learned that he was responsible for countless atrocities across the multiverse, destroying worlds and timelines as he saw fit. Janet blew up Kang's ship core to prevent either of them from getting out. Kang sends Modok, who is really Darren Cross, to retrieve Scott and Cassie, then forces Scott to retrieve the core or he will kill Cassie. Hope helps Scott retrieve the core, but Kang reneges on the deal and doesn't let Cassie go. Cassie escapes using her own super suit and frees the rebels to attack Kang's tower. Hank also uses some super ants in the fight, and Janet opens a portal using Kang's core to get them home. Scott fights Kang to prevent him from escaping, and with Hope's help, they destroy the core and cause Kang to get pulled into oblivion before Cassie brings them home. Scott returns to his life, but has a lingering worry that the threat of Kang is only beginning. 
Sure enough, a council of Kang variants catches wind of the death of one of their own and gets ready to send each of themselves into the multiverse for an oncoming war. Why or how? Nobody knows. But anyway, that is the plot of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, the 31st film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, so before we just start fixing a film, a lot of people work on a film, thousands of people work on a film, thousands of special effects, CGI people labored on this one, that's for sure. Mm. Let's give them their due. What's one thing that you liked about this movie, David Rosen, of piecing it together? Much like another Marvel movie that I also didn't like much, Eternals, uh, I still had a handful of good laughs. Paul Rudd still has some really funny moments. Michael Douglas has some funny moments. There's some goofy, wacky Marvel stuff. A lot of it doesn't land, but some of it does. And uh, it's not like I had a terrible time watching it. All right. And my, the Greek, the geek fluent girl. You know, as weird it is, my favorite part was probably the intro is because it was just Paul Rudd being his goofy, likable self. And he's just, da, 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 I'm just going about my, my business, but I saved the world. So, uh, you know, it's all good. Let me read this book to all my adoring fans. And <laughs> even though my daughter doesn't think highly. No, you're right. I was like on board with the movie when he was reading to the, the kids and mm -hmm. stuff. It was it was like the most Ant-Man-ish. Right. It's the most Ant-Man of the Ant-Man movie, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I do like how weird the movie got. I do like that there were buildings that were alive. I, I like that when you drank that creature's blood, you could suddenly understand languages. I liked a lot of those really odd, weird things that were in this movie. I, I just loved that it was not afraid to get really strange. Weird is good. Weird is good. That's why you come on this show, because you want your dose of weird. Yes. You want your dose. <laughs> so without uh, further ado, what do you guys say we fix this movie? What do you guys say? Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah do let's do it. Special guest, David Rosen, piecing it together. One of the best podcasters and one of the best podcasts that you can possibly listen to. If you are a film lover, even if you're not a film lover, if you just like great conversation, intelligent, funny, beautiful voice, piecing it together is your pod. And we are ready, David Rosen, for your first fix. All right, fix number one. The biggest problem, I think, with this movie, and it has to do with the effects, is that the thing that we we come to the Ant-Man movies for more so than, say, Iron Man or Thor or you know any of these other superheroes is Ant-Man gets small and Ant-Man gets big. But when the entire screen is just a cartoon at all times, there's no sense of scale. There's no sense mm -hmm. of what is happening. There, there are entire scenes where they might be big, they might be small. There's nothing to base that off of. And it, it completely makes the whole thing pointless. The way to fix that is 
this movie is 125 minutes long, I would guess, I, I didn't like time it or anything, I would guess 115 of those minutes are spent in the quantum world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe let's even it out a little bit and bring it back. You know, the quantum realm is cool. I Like you said, it gets really weird, and uh, I, I like the weirdness of that, and I loved when they went to the quantum realm in the first two Ant-Man movies. But let's even it out a little bit so we... We remember that, oh, he's getting small, he's getting big, you know? That way there's something to be able to tell what exactly is going on with this character and his superpowers, and same goes for the Wasp. You're absolutely right. Like, So just think about how amazing it was when Ant-Man got big at the airport in Germany. Right. Because mm-hmm. you felt the scale, you felt how big he was, because you can reference him against your own world, right? And it's crazy to see this giant guy who's just boom, 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 just walking around, stepping on stuff. The, the other heroes, are, they have to take him down like the Empire Strikes Back, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand either. Like, I used to think they clicked one little button and they went, and they got small and they clicked it again. And they, it's like, if they're already tiny and they're going to be big in this quantum world, (laughs) is there like, can they adjust how much PIM they use? Are they just using like one driplet of PIM? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like the size of like amoeba, right? <laughs> right. If they're if you're the size of an amoeba, like yeah. how do you and how do you judge how big to make yourself in that particular situation? Like it, it just it, it makes no sense. There's no sense of scale of anything going on there. Every movie's better when the action that's like fantastical spills out into the real world, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because then it feels real. It feels like a real place. It feels like something that's that's really happening. Everything in the in the quantum realm feels like stuff that is not really happening to anyone because it's not. Right. I kept wanting like an mm. an A B plot where it would just keep us bouncing back and forth. Yeah, that's no, a good that point. An A B plot would have like helped to alleviate some of that and make some of it feel a little grounded at th- at times at least. Mm-hmm. And the the B plot needed Louise. Yes. Lewis, wait, is it Lewis? Is his name Lewis? Am I like, am I getting this wrong? Spoiler alert, but uh, Lewis is part of my next fix. I'm pretty sure it's Lewis. My, the geek fluent girl, what is your first fix for Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Well, I can't really follow anything as deep and insightful as what David did, but. You've been on the show enough, come on. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I always overthink everything. Uh, I'm sure you'll get, get it. <laughs> no, honestly, it's like I really wanted Bill Murray to have more uh, in this movie instead of just having him be the one who turns them into Kang and have him as a part of the crew and the ship. And like I was saying, I really like kind of like the comedy and the awkwardness between him and Janet, you know, because like they they were lovers, but we don't really talk about that around Hank and everything. And and I was thinking like he could like actually kind of help them because he could give his 30 years worth of knowledge of being a past rebel. Cause he did, he was a rebel alongside with Janet to fight King and just kind of give him the upper hand and how to defeat King. And then I was thinking about like, well, why would Janet trust him? Because, you know, he is a Lord. And then maybe like this might be a, a more of a pivotal emotional moment. He reveals he was going to turn them in at first as he was deeply hurt by her leaving him and wanted to seek revenge. But as he travels with them, you know, he sees like what the cost of King's rule has been where, you know, it's like oh. everybody's oppressed. The landscape is destroyed and... And then he decides to be on their side to overthrow King. 
and then maybe he could be insightful as and he breaks down like all the weak points of Kang's fortress and how they should plan their attack and how like an idea I was like maybe he could sneak them in posing as his servants because he is a lord and maybe Kang would not suspect him as being on their side and that would give them the advantage yeah that's awesome but I just love Bill Murray <laughs> I mean, he very much felt like somebody who came in, got paid his bucks for like two days work in front of the green screen, collected his check and, and left. Like there's no way Bill Murray and Michael Douglas were ever in the same room together. No way. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Was... Easy money. It's definitely just a cameo and it's it should have been more. I mean, it, you get Bill Murray. Why wouldn't you use him for more funny stuff? They're never going to get him again. So. Yeah. Get Bill Murray in there. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you want Bill Murray and Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas in a three-way. <laughs> oh, jeez. And that jelly creature, now that he has holes. Yeah, he's got enough. All right, JC, with that crazy fix... What is your take? So remember when Thanos was just being teased at the end of films? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're starting out a phase with Kang. So I think we just take Kang right out of this movie. Yeah, I would agree. Make the main villain MODOK. Have MODOK be a brilliant scientist, George Tarleton, that's his name in the comic actually, who works at Advanced Idea Mechanics, which is where he worked in the comics as well. Have him be tragically turned into MODOK by another scientist who tricked him. But as MODOK, he was even more powerful. Kang comes to his universe, and he gives Kang, the one who's trying to destroy his universe, a huge fight due to his intellect and his power. His acronym was actually originally Mental Organism Only Designed for Computing. So make him really, really smart and a strong adversary for Kang. Instead of killing him, Kang gives him what he wants, which is even more intelligence and power. And he sends MODOK to do the dirty work that he doesn't want to do, like destroying quantum universes. Because Kang has a fear of other Kangs trying to trap him there. And when MODOK arrives, he betrays Kang and he sets up shop as ruler of the quantum realm. Janet and Bill Murray are in the resistance against him. They have been working for years undermining him. And on the day the resistance was supposed to fight back and win, when they've got MODOK on the ropes, Janet disappeared. That's when she arrived in Ant-Man 2. And Janet is like this war-hardened person with PTSD and that's why she doesn't talk about it. And it's Janet that gets sucked back in with Hank and Hope also getting sucked in as collateral damage because Modoc finds her and getting them back in gives them you know some family drama with Bill Murray as Janet's ex so I kind of put Hank and the the Van Dynes together to have their drama with Bill Murray but yeah I think there's a way to do this movie and make Modoc the big bad and do not make him Darren for the love of God mm. got the worst CGI character I've ever seen he looks like when you're using like some photo editing software and you accidentally stretch the picture <laughs> right yeah, yeah. awful Modoc has hair he's got brown hair it's not bald anyway <laughs> you know save kang as a minor part of this movie or save kang as just something for the stinger yeah i think uh ant-man versus modok would have been more of an ant-man movie too so yeah you know, because it's kind of a goofy villain mm -hmm. right yes exactly it's it's definitely more goofy and you don't have jonathan majors as great as he is you know standing there giving these shakespeare soliloquies <laughs> about you know how he destroys worlds and like it's like yeah it, it becomes a little bit more ant-man-y 
Yep. Yep. And definitely have Modoc make it into that real world also. Oh, yeah. I want it to be where Modoc kind of set up the whole thing because Modoc's smart, super smart. And he actually set this whole thing up as a way to get himself back to the normal size world. And I want him to get there. And he's going crazy Modoc up there. And we get hilarious scenes involving Lewis. Desmalchian's character, T.I. I don't remember his name either, but Louis Desmalchian, T.I., and maybe even Ghost, because that way we get a ghost appearance. We'll get people a little more juiced for Thunderbolts, which is coming. So, Modoc, Big Bad. Yeah, I couldn't focus on him and take him serious. It kind of reminded me of, like, the weird brain in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where I was like, Krang? Oh, Krang. Shredder! Why haven't you completed my new body? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. No, because no, he was the brain inside of the, like, tummy of this, of the big, t I said tummy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stomach cavity of AKA tummy. David Rosen, oh my God, gracing us. He does this at least once a year. Maybe this will be another majorly downloaded app. It's his star power. What is your second fic for Ant-Man 3? So I have written down here, where the hell is Lewis? Like that is <laughs> the beginning of my fix because that's yes. like the biggest question of the movie is where is Michael Pena? Um, so my my easy fix is throw him in a post credit scene. That's fine, but that not that's not enough. So you know I wanted to kind of bring something a little bit more for you guys. Yeah, so bring it. I, I I came up with a way to make the post credit scene make sense and kind of be a little bit more worthwhile, and still we get a great Lewis scene. So. Yes. Uh, one of the other problems with the movie is, and we, we've kind of already touched on this, but if Kang could get beaten by Ant-Man and the Wasp, like, Kang could get beaten by anybody, basically. So <laughs> it, it, yeah. it's kind of a crappy ending. So instead, we have a fake-out, not-happy ending where... Ant-Man and the Wasp lose. Kang wins, you know, because obviously we need to get this phase five going. We need to get Kang out into the real world. Like all we've done is stalled him for one movie, basically, which is kind of stupid in its own right. But, you know, cut to credits, you know, Kang got out. Ant-Man and the Wasp lose. And then in the post credit scene, a signal comes through the computer and who's there to catch up on it? It's Lewis. Maybe even throw Kurt and Dave in there as well. You know he... their names. Yes, I do know their names. And, uh... Because you love the ant-man movies i love the ant-man movies come on they they get them out somehow you know they they they're sitting there arguing being their usual ridiculous dumb selves mm -hmm. and and then they they find a way to uh to get ant-man and the wasp or maybe even not show them getting them out just like oh shit there's a signal coming through oh it's, it's scott you know and they start pushing buttons and you know that's the end of the the post credit scene but one way or another we know it's lewis who's going to get them out and get the information out that oh kang's coming i love it any more lewis is perfect it's funny i almost would have wondered what this movie would have been like just hearing what lewis would have had to say about all of the creatures <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah for sure like imagine that like mind reader guy trying to read lewis's mind <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty good yeah he'd just be blushing the entire time <laughs> uh, his mind's moving too quick oh he's giving me a migraine like i'm, I'm picturing lewis just like accidentally throwing in details from various Marvel shows like there was and then there was an alligator Loki like and you know <laughs> Number 
my The Geek Fluent Girl, what is your second fix? I know this is going to be a winner for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Okay, this one is a bit of a larger one, and I was working oh, with uh, the IT boy <laughs> with this. I'm glad to know I wasn't the only one that was fooled by the trailer, because when Kang mm -hmm. says the trailer, I can get you more time with Cassie. Because they kind of lead up to, like, he lost all those years during the snap, and, you know, and then you see, yep. like, the scene of, like, where she's in jail, and she's uh, rebelling mm -hmm. and everything. And so, what if, kind of, like, more of a, a plot B that's happening is she still is sad that he missed so many birthday parties. And so they decide they're all going to plan like a surprise fake birthday party for her. And so he spends a day with Cassie checking out like all of the cool stuff she has developed. But of course he knows that there's going to be this surprise party is happening. And this is when we're going to get to have, um, I apologize. I called him more the jail gang or like the, uh, the same businessman in his security company, which is Lewis. And mm -hmm. said that one was Dave and I know not TI, but it's uh anyway. Uh Kurt. Oh Kurt, right. And so they're all yeah. like shopping for the party and you know, it's like the normal hijinks and stuff that can happen when you're planning a surprise birthday party. And then Cassie, of course, uh -huh. is showing her dad like the quantum satellite. And then that's when the malfunction occurs. She tries to unplug it, but it sucks them in. And let's just say that there is no Kang actually involved first when we see entering the quantum realm. And basically it's going to just only be Scott and Cassie who are fighting survive. They find their way to Gina's old hideout. And while they're like, just kind of enjoying like the campsite, cause it's kind of like a little bit of sense of normalcy. That's when Kang's ship will crash into the quantum realm. And then you can see it like kind of break. And basically it's like, they they make their way to Kang and Kang just is kind of like, oh, you know, my ship is broken. Like, what am I gonna do about this? And then they're like, oh, let's help you. Cause like, you know, they're kind of like do-gooder types. And then they go try to find the lost pieces of the ship that broke off in the, during the crash. And then they would embark like kind of on a quest and have like a lot of challenges and stuff to the quantum realm. And like, you know, they're all kind of like first like mistrustful of each other and then they get to know each other. And basically like Kang would manipulate them and thinking that he was like the good guy. And so like when they're going to like retrieve one of these pieces, let's say Cassie gets mortally wounded. And of course, Ant-Man's freaking out. He's like, oh no, what's happening to my daughter? And then Kang says, I, I will give you more time if you get that final piece. So that's why I was just trying to think of like, how would be a way that King in a way could trick them before we know his whole story arc of how he's the story of worlds. And basically it's, they're not going to know that until they almost have fixed the ship. And then let's say Cassie is the one who senses that King is the one who is super evil. That's just kind of what I was working with. Yeah, it would definitely be a better setup for sure and and that yeah. would go a long ways story-wise making the movie make any kind of sense because as it is now it's just like oops we're in the quantum realm and then yep. it's so blatantly obvious that kang is evil from like the first second that like the idea that anybody wouldn't even like realize it is like ridiculous it's stupid is there a, a moment where modok says that he was the one that pulled them down i don't recall that i thought it was at first it was kang who like locked onto their signal and it's almost like well if he can lock onto their signal can he also get himself out <laughs> kang's powers make no sense whatsoever i still don't understand his powers at all like how does he destroy a universe exactly right like i don't even know 
how he does that. Does he need his suit to shoot the beams? I guess he does. So does he have powers without the suit? Everything is very vague. I also find it confusing why he would crash land in the quantum realm. Well, he like... was he was he was banished there, right? By the other kings. Oh. But I don't know why the other Kangs would banish him with a ship that is capable right. why of getting does he have him ship out of there. there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah. But I don't, I don't understand really why he hates the other Kangs. What is the motivation of the other Kangs either? I just, I don't know. It's just, it's all very nebulous and hard to understand for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, more time, father-daughter time. And they can do normal, you know, dad and daughter things. Like maybe there's a father-daughter dance down there somewhere. <laughs> or maybe he can not come to her swim meet because it's his poker night with the mm. his other friends it doesn't seem like something paul rudd would do no i don't think i'm talking about paul rudd's anymore no he'd probably be like let's go race some amoeba go-karts or something <laughs> yeah that, that definitely seems like something he'd do <laughs> or maybe he can tell you he's not gonna help with your science fair project because he's not raising a nerd oh <laughs> <laughs> So what's your last uh, fix? Hey, the host with the most, no matter what potty's on. So I, my last fix is mostly, it's like a few fixes combined because basically I think there's a lot of characters that don't have much to do or don't really have much stakes in the, the story. There's no like dramatic heft to what they're doing at all. So my first one is I want Hope to be the one who leads the resistance instead of the generic action figure woman that we get in the story, this story that's already overcrowded. Oh, I forgot about her, actually. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's very easy to forget. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I, I just recorded a whole piecing it together like an hour ago, and I didn't mention her once. I completely <laughs> yeah, forgot about exactly. her. Exactly. <laughs> so I want Hope to be the one who leads the resistance the way that Janet failed to. She's used to doing good up on the surface. She wants to do good down here also. And she wants to take up the mantle, and she has to, of course, prove herself because the Van Dynes don't have a good reputation down there. I also want Hank Pym to die in this movie. I want him to die saving Janet. So in my first fix, I had Janet, Hank, and Hope, you know, getting to have the family drama with Bill Murray, blah, blah, blah. I want Modoc to show up and he takes Janet and Hope. He doesn't get Hank because Hank is rescued from this whole situation by an unknown force. He's rescued by his ants. But instead of super advanced ants that have been down there for a thousand years in a pocket time world, which makes no sense either. <laughs> like I said, if you start to think for a second, you're like, what the what the hell? Like, you, you can't wrap your brain around any of this. I wanted to be rescued by ants. Ants that he sent to the quantum realm back in the 1960s when he was first experimenting with ants and pim particles. So some of, some of the ants he sent down in the 1960s have built a society and they consider him their deity or whatever. But all he wants to do is rescue Janet. So he does die saving Janet. And I want the ants to show up and overwhelm Kang because they're avenging the death of Hank. Oh, not that they're just showing up and he makes his comment about socialism, which is so weird in this movie. I don't, I was sitting there <laughs> so theater going, what the hell? Like what? Why? Like what? <laughs> it's such a strange line. What is it? I know socialism is a charged word these days, but we can learn a lot from these ants. Like, what? oh my God, it was the worst. 
So it's really weird. Instead, I would like his aunts to to show up after he is killed because they're coming to avenge the death of Hank, their king. If ants have a queen, they consider him their their king. So I want them to exact some insect justice for the death of Hank, and then it also gives Hank a great you know send off. He dies saving Janet. They all live in this movie. Not only do all of them live, they all get back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is ridiculous they claim that this is this this big story and kang is this villain who's so dangerous kicking off phase five and introducing kang and jonathan majors in a colossal way and that's what i'm most excited for audiences to see but every character lives and makes it back so really wanted scott and hope to be trapped in the quantum realm at the end of the movie but i know that they didn't want to separate scott from cassie yet again Mm -hmm. so I think that's why they kind of pulled him back in. But then in that case, just trap Scott and uh, Cassie, yeah. you know, leave us on a, on a cliffhanger. Uh, yeah, you're, you're giving everybody so much more to do here in, yeah. in this version. And so it definitely it makes sense. And it, but to the other point you're making, though, about like them getting trapped and that like being a, more of a, a fitting end there, like this movie is just so scared of stakes. And I, I think yeah. that's the problem with all of these recent Marvel movies. They just they're terrified of having any stakes or of having anything change at the end of a movie, uh, having any character be gone or even temporarily gone. Like, yeah, they, they just want us to be able to keep having our characters over and over. <laughs> it's all wrapped up in a nice bow. <laughs> By cheating us out of any kind of death or any major thing that happens in the real world, they've made this a throwaway movie. Yeah, exactly. It's a total throwaway. I mean, they even bring back uh, Corey Stahl, like, like, they even find a way to get get the bad guys back you know like it's just they they just refuse to get rid of any characters it's true did they uh imply that that janet may have gotten busy with with kang too i think so oh i didn't pick that up hey what happens in the quantum realm stays in the quantum realm you know what i'm saying All right, well, without further ado, uh, I would consider Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania screen fixed. Screen fixed. There it is. Don't worry. I'll line those up. No, I won't because it's funnier if I do. All right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What is your final thought for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? David Rosen, piecing it together, Bob. It's just a bummer that they had to uh, use my beloved Ant-Man series, this cute, fun, little Paul Rudd-led, lighter stakes, just fun version of a Marvel superhero movie uh, series, and, and take it to introduce all of this multiverse crap and Kang and all this stuff that they really don't even explain or uh, get anywhere with by the end. So really, we didn't have to do this to the Ant-Man series. But we did, and at least I'll always have the first two. It's really sad. Yeah. I feel bad for you, like a little bit. Like your you. like beloved series just yeah. got kanged. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My the geek fluent girl. What is your final thought for Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania? I think we should applaud ourselves. Is it is Quantumania, and we tried to fix all the mania. <laughs> Oh, it's a lot of work to fix that much of a mess. So, 
What is your final thought, JC? Yeah, I mean, I think this was a very weird th way to, to kick off Phase 5. It treads a lot of the ground that the Loki series already did. And I'm not really sold on Kang as, as a villain so far. We got a bunch of Kangs coming up, it looks like, in a bunch of these, these movies. Three of the more obvious Kangs that were in the, the end credit scene were Kang Ramatut, which is uh, the Egyptian pharaoh, Immortus, which is the older bearded Kang, and then Scarlet Centurion, which is another Kang variant. I'm guessing Ramatut is going to tie in somehow maybe to Moon Knight Season 2. But yeah, when you saw all those Kang variants and Jonathan Majors was kind of like doing different voices and different stuff like oh my gosh this is like it's this is not menacing to me this is goofy yeah i actually didn't even realize it was supposed to be <laughs> menacing i thought it was supposed to be goofy a bunch but, of goofy uh, kangs yeah I know. yeah like that yeah. that's i guess that's where i'm coming from so all right so i would like to thank david rosen for gracing us on this podcast talking about ant-man and the wasp quantumania you are one of our favorite guests Wow. Tell everyone where they can find you and find Piecing It Together. Yeah. Or, or whatever's going on with you. I know you also do music. I have bought two of your albums. I have listened to them. Sweet, sweet tunes, buddy. And I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much. And, yeah, thank you so much for, for having me back on the show. Uh, but, yeah, I'm up to a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we're about to get to episode 300 of Piecing It Together. You can find... Piecing it together wherever you listen to podcasts, piecingpod.com. And I'm on, of course, all the socials at piecingpod. And then I just recently put out a new album called More Content under my name, David Rosen. So uh, check that out on all the streaming services or check out the CD on Bandcamp. I love that it's called More Content. Yes, perfect. It's really good. <laughs> Thank you. Where can people find you, Geek Fluent Girl? Uh, you can find me still on Twitter. I still can't quit Twitter. I really want to. <laughs> 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 and screen fix you can, can talk to us on twitter at screen fix pod we're also on instagram at screen fix podcast our website is screenfixpod.com tune in next time where we will be fixing another film we'll get an episode out to you we always do not as many as as piecing pod because we're lazy as hell but thanks for listening and sticking with us bye everybody bye everyone. bye everybody you guys enjoy the nude modok butt oh yeah it was crafted with love that was either the worst day of his career <laughs> or the best day of his career <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>